And welcome back, folks, to the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex Thayer. Ben, since the last time we've spoken on this podcast, two more quad four wins for Wake Forest, an 88-59 dub over Delaware State at the Joel, and a 91-68 win over Presbyterian just two days ago. So looking at both of those games, the first thing that I want to talk about is something that's clearly evident if you had tuned in to those games. It's the slow starts for Wake Forest. Delaware State, six minutes into the game, led by six, and then in the second half after Wake Forest made a charge, Delaware State got back within six, so pushing themselves back into the game in that later stretch in the second half, and then recently against Presbyterian, Wake led by just one point eight minutes into the game, and then again led by eight minutes, or rather again led by one with four minutes remaining in the first half, and then again led by just one with 10 seconds remaining in the first half. So both games, slow starts, Wake Forest losing at one point against Delaware State by a healthy amount, and then against Presbyterian, Wake Forest just the blue allowed the Blue Hose to keep themselves in that game for far too long. So I think it's, especially against lesser opponents, Ben, talking about the fact that those are both squarely quad four teams, a slight concern that perhaps Wake Forest is playing with their food a little bit. Yeah, and we've we've had this discussion before, and honestly, it's happened so many different times now throughout the season. I mean, think back to the first game of the year. Wake went down 20 against Elon and then came back to win that game by 20-plus. They struggled against NJIT a little bit in the first half, against Presbyterian, against Delaware State. It is, it's it's happened enough to the point where it is a noticeable trend with the team where I think you tweeted it out during one of the games this past week. Things are just a little too close for comfort. You know, Wake should be putting these teams away immediately. I think Wake struggles generally with defense a little bit more in the first half to sort of get their feet under them there. Um, but the thing is, they also have this tendency to just flip a switch and then just enter this new echelon of play seemingly in the blink of an eye. There was one point in the Presbyterian game, Wake was up three points to half, was 40 to 37. Early in the second half, Presbyterian ties it up 40 to 40, and then Wake proceeds to go on a 34 to 8 run to put that put this thing on ice. And then if you're just looking at the box score, it looks like it was a complete blowout through and through, when in reality, that's not the case. Wake just has the ability to have so much firepower on offense that they can erase those early deficits or you know however close a call it might be at halftime like i said seemingly in the blink of an eye they just have that much power on offense and so much scoring uh, now they have you know it's frequent these days that they have five or six players in double figures so they just have the ability to put you on your back right away and then when they when they defend they're a really really dangerous team and we'll get into this a really dangerous team to play against and to prepare for i think you said it, Ben, in both of these games, as much as Wake Forest had those slow starts. And it also happened in their first of these, this three quad four stretch against NJIT. But we discussed that in the last podcast. But all these games, it's those slow starts, right? But in each of them, Wake Forest finds their run. So Delaware State, it was a 19-2 stretch in the first half. But then the Hornets kind of crept their way back into it. Wake Forest would need a 14-4 and a 15-2 to 
run in the second half to put them away for good. And then you mentioned Presbyterian over a stretch of, I believe it was nine minutes. Wake Forest just absolutely obliterated them. It was 34-8 in those nine minutes for Wake Forest, an absolute kill shot. It was a difference in the game. And as you said, it happened right at the start of the second half. So that it was a really close game going into halftime. I believe Wake Forest led by just three. And then at the start of the second half, Wake Forest comes out and absolutely decimates a team that they, in a lot of ways, kind of needed to decimate. Presbyterian, not a great team. They beat Vanderbilt, which is an upset, of course, but Vanderbilt not really looking like a, a, a great team right now. So these are the kind of wins that Wake Forest needs to win in the manner that they have been doing so. But in order to do it, they've had to found, find those runs because the slow starts have, have occurred. So talking about those those three wins, Ben, I know we talked about NGI, NJIT before, but Delaware State and Presbyterian on top of that. Is there some concern in how these games are going about in the fact that all of these games were slow starts? It's not just a one-off. They're continuing to happen against inferior opponents. And now Wake Forest, the stretch ahead is 20 straight ACC games. And there are going to be some inferior opponents there. Shout out Louisville. But like for the most part, these are significantly better basketball teams and, and slow starts just aren't going to fly anymore. So is there some concern in that, that this is just not a, you know, a one-time thing where it's like, oh man, it's final exams or it's something else. Like these, it, it's three games straight where Wake Forest has kind of stumbled out of the gate a little bit and then has had to kind of figure their their game out a bit in order to win in the way they, they were hoping to. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there is a level of concern there. And, you know, in some of these games, Wake almost looks like a different team from first half to second half. I think you can point that out, especially during the Presbyterian game. Presbyterian was blow for blow with them for 20 minutes and change. And then all of a sudden wake found their stride and, and reversed course very quickly. But, you know, like you said, 20 straight ACC games, wake is the only team in the ACC to not have kicked off conference play yet. So the free ride is over essentially is, is sort of the concern. You know, you've had three quad four sub 300 Ken Palm teams in a row that you've been able to sort of work out the kinks mid game. But when you have to face off against Virginia Tech is coming to town, you've got, you know, Miami, not, not in the far too distant future. The margin for error is exponentially smaller when you bring when you face competition like that. So the worry is that if Wake decides to start one of these meaningful conference games slow, they won't just be tied at halftime. They could find themselves down 15 points at halftime against, you know, a Clemson team that's really talented a UNC team that's really talented, a Miami team that's really talented, just to name a few that Wake is going to have to face over the course of this year. And, you know, it is a tough, I understand that over the holiday season, you know, a bunch of quad four games, probably not the best crowds at home, can be difficult games to get up for. But the fact that it has happened consistently in these games is something that I'm sure Steve Forbes is not happy with. And he can see the issues. And I'm sure, you know, he's, the team has done great at adjusting at halftime and coming out and fixing what they've done wrong. But, you know, time has run out now to where you have 20 minutes to sort of work out the kinks and play through that sort of slow start. So I think, you know, I'm not, I won't be worried about it until I see it happen in conference play. I guess I'm very curious to see how they come out against Virginia tech after, especially a long, you know, extended holiday break now, 
but I, I do. I mean, I do think it's something that can't be ignored. I don't think it's something to necessarily overreact to in the moment, but I'm sure the coaching staff is not ignoring it. And I'm sure that's a point of discussion in the locker room as well. I mean, two people ha- have mentioned it. It's not like Wake Forest is blind to it. I remember in a post-game press conference, we asked, I believe it was Andrew Carr about it. And it was something that, that he stated as well, that this it's a team that is... He, 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 at the very least, referenced that the fact that they were starting slow, and it's something that they're cognizant of and trying to eliminate from happening. It's something. It's not like Wake Forest is blind from the fact that 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 was occurring against Quad Four opponents. And Steve Forbes, a little more tongue in cheek about it, said, "Just like the fans, you know, I want to be up by thirty by the first media timeout too, but that's not necessarily going to happen. But there, there, I think there's a difference between competing." in the way some of these quad four teams were and being up by 30 at the first media timeout. I think there's that happy medium there where you don't come out and you're losing by to by six to Delaware state six minutes in, and you're not allowing to pre- a team like Presbyterian to take you all the way to the halftime wondering, Oh man, is this another one that's about to go awry? But on the flip side, enough about the slow starts. Let's talk about, you know, the better side of the slow starts. These games, these past two, also NJIT, truly show how quick Wake Forest can put you right on your backside. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I kind of used this statement on Twitter on Thursday in regards to the Presbyterian game. When Wake Forest offense finds its footing, but perhaps even more important, makes stops on the defensive end and rebounds on the boards, they can end a game with the flip of a switch. If they if they are that full complementary basketball team where it's not just the offensive success, which is something that is clearly solid with Wake Forest, that this is a very good offensive team. But when it, it's the full picture on the defensive side as well, the rebounding, a lack of turnovers, this is a good team at also forcing turnovers, then Wake Forest, to me, feels like the kind of team and is becoming more and more evident throughout the these non-conference games that Wake Forest can absolutely blow you away like that. Like, it is just instantaneous. I mean, the Presbyterian game, the 34-8 kill shot, again, the inferior opponents, but it's at least a glimpse at what, when Wake Forest is at their best, what they can do to you before you even blink. And, and if Wake Forest can do that, against an ACC team, especially if you don't have the slow starts and you can come out and say against a a team like Virginia Tech on the 30th, just absolutely blow them away before that first media timeout, or at least make them wonder what the heck happened in those first four minutes and say, get out to a a six-point lead, an eight-point lead, a 10-point lead. Nothing crazy, but especially... You know, honestly, at home and on the road, they're both effective in, in their own ways but show a team that you're not here to mess around. I think that's just so important. And so you can see that it's possible with this Wake Forest team there. All the pieces of the puzzle can come into place. It's just a matter of fitting them in. You know, sometimes it's only one piece of the puzzle that's working. If Wake Forest can get it all going, then that's the kind of team that can absolutely mess you up so quickly and win games where, you know, I think Wake Forest can beat a lot of basketball teams with that chemistry. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the biggest thing I noticed about this Wake Forest team when they really have it going on offense, and you know, this is an incredibly fun team to watch when they do have it going, is that they have so many guys who can hurt you, and they can score, you know, effectively from all three levels. Andrew Carr over the past two games is 13 for 18 from the field and three of four from three-point land. Boopy Miller over the past two games is he went six for 12 against Delaware State and then six for nine against Presbyterian. So these are guys that are efficient. If you think, you know, Hunter Salas has had games where he's been fantastic from three. He's great in the mid-range. Boopy Miller has really deep range and can drive to the rim extraordinarily well for a guard of his size. They move the ball well. I think the this the group of starters they have right now, the, the ball is moving around, you know, very quickly and everybody's getting involved. They like I said, you know, they frequently have four or five, six guys in double figures. So when they do have it flowing and when they play with that tempo and that confidence, they have so many weapons and so many guys that can hurt you. And you can't forget about any one of them because Andrew Carr can play at the rim and he can stretch the floor and shoot the three. Hunter Salas can shoot the three and attack the rim and is so great at getting to his spots in the mid-range. Boopy Miller, like I said, can't leave him behind the three-point line, but he's also lightning quick and has a great handle and you know, is great at finishing through contact. And then Cameron Hildreth, too, has shown to be an effective three-point shooter this year. Plays a very physical brand of basketball down low, can get to the rim, can get to the free-throw line. So when you look at that body of work on offense, they are a really hard team to prepare for and defend. And I think Efton Reed now is starting to find his footing as well. Had a much better game against Presbyterian, five of nine from the field in 14 points. So, you know, you just can't forget there's really nobody that you can leave open out on the floor when this team is, is running well. And that is exactly how Steve Forbes likes it. He likes it so that all of his guys, you know, he's coaching from a position of strength this year on offense where he's just got, if anything, too many guys that need minutes and can, can hurt you. So very fun team to watch. Like you said, when this team is defending and they, they play with very active hands on defense. They force a lot of turnovers. They they did a great job at forcing turnovers against uh, Delaware State and Presbyterian. They are a very loaded, very dangerous team, and I I agree with you. I think you know when they're running, they can be they can play as efficiently as just about any team out there. Yeah, it feels like Steve Forbes finally has a, a starting five lineup where they can just come right at you with every piece. Boopy Miller, Cam Hildreth, Hunter Salas, Andrew Carr, Efton Reed, and then some of those depth pieces as, as well. This is just an offensive juggernaut. And so it, it was a point that Steve Forbes made after the, I believe it was the, the Delaware State game. He said that he, he firmly believes that the Wake Forest offense is one of the best in the country. And so going into the metrics just a bit, it's the 33rd best in the nation in offensive efficiency per Ken Palm. So that's really good at the start. There are just four ACC teams better at that metric, Duke, North Carolina, Miami, and Clemson. Wake Forest effective field goal percentage, which is another Ken Palm stat, is 28th best in the country. Their free throw percentage is 14th in the country, two-point percentage, 42nd, three-point percentage, 44. So in terms of offense, Wake Forest, at least in the metrics, is proving to confirm those statistics, I would say, a little bit. Uh, from offensive efficiency to the shooting all around, Wake Forest is a very, very strong offensive team. And so looking at 
these past few games, getting into the players a little bit, those individuals at the top, of course, you got to have Hunter Salas, who is just completely coming into himself at Wake Forest after his stretch at Gonzaga. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal guard, and he's really starting to get some national attention in that regard. In terms of Delaware State, here's where I think things are interesting, Ben. He struggled really early. He wasn't hitting his shots. I think he missed his first seven shots from the field. And then in the second half, completely found his form by attacking the bucket. He was getting the bucket, getting some high percentage shots. I called this in the postgame press conference. I asked Steve Forbes about it, called it adaptability, and he kind of corrected me and called it coachability. He liked adaptability, but he thought it, it was a lot. I mean, he was making these decisions a little bit himself, but reference the fact that the, the coaches are kind of getting on him about some of these decisions and he's listening. He is, again, it's that adaptability in his own personal self, but he's listening to the coaches. He's making plays when something isn't working. He finds another way to make it happen. And so it was really nice for me to see him change that pace and figure the game out when that mid range and the three pointers weren't going. So still finish that game against Delaware state, even after an 0 for seven start from the field finished with a team high 19 points, which to me is, is sensational. And then against Presbyterian, totally different story, just in terms of the, the, the full look at the game, absolutely balled out from start to finish two dunks that were ESPN specials sports center, top 10. I believe one of them was number two. So got the crowd going in Winston-Salem and got onto a, a national spotlight with, with one of those dunks and then was really efficient shooting the ball. 9-12 from the field, finished the game with a team second-best 20 points. So the efficiency was there against Presbyterian where it wasn't against Delaware State, but two separate ways to show just how impactful he can be for the Wake Forest offense. And still, no matter how his game's going, whether it's really working or it's not and he has to adapt, he he's a, a point scorer for the Demon Deacons that the team absolutely must have. Yeah, and, you know, first of all, I just got to touch on those dunks again because, the, you know, obviously Hunter Salas is incredibly athletic, freak athlete, but then you see those dunks and you're like, wow, there are very few other players in the country that can throw down a dunk like that, especially for me, the second one where the the oop got tipped, I think, and then he reached back and grabbed it with one hand and slammed it. I watched that and I had to rewind the tape and watch it again because I thought it was so unbelievable to watch in real time. And I, you know, I love the bench reaction. The bench exploded as it, as it should have. But what I really liked about Hunter Salas this year is that even, you know, he's had a couple games where the efficiency hasn't necessarily been there. I think Delaware state is a good example of that he struggled to find his shot early. He found it later in the game, but even so I think this, the testament of, you know, a, a critical basket player, basketball player to have out on the court is can they find a way to affect the game positively, even when they aren't necessarily scoring well. And for Hunter Salas, I think that is undeniably the case. You know, he finished he finished that Delaware State game with a plus 26, despite really struggling from the field in, you know, early on and in the first half against Presbyterian, obviously had a fantastic game from start to finish, plus 29. So he's a guy that you have to have out there on the floor. He's a team leader. You know, he has come in from Gonzaga and really embraced Steve Forbes culture and the Stephen Deacon culture, I think, and that much is clear. I think it's clear the team looks to him as a leader out there, you know, because of 
how well he can defend because of how he has been shooting the three in spurts this year, because of how physical he plays and how balanced he plays getting to his, you know, shots in the mid range. He is such an asset to this team. And I, I say it all the time, but he compliments Booby Miller's game so well in that backcourt. I think they play off of each other really well. I think Cam Hildreth, you know, those guys have a, have a three man show in the backcourt that I think is, is really fun to watch. And I, yeah, I just, Steve Forbes, we talk about all the time in the transfer portal. He's so good at getting these players to play the best version of themselves. I think he brings these guys in. He's so, so great at spotting talent that is maybe underutilized or overlooked elsewhere and say, hey, says, hey, we don't want you to change or shape yourself to fit this system. We want you to we want you to be yourself. And, you know, the rest will follow. Hunter Salas is playing the best band, brand of basketball for himself. He looks incredibly comfortable out there, I think, even when his shots aren't falling. So, yeah, just, you know, I, we call Steve Forbes a portal, portal whisperer. I think this is, you know, un, yet another example of sort of him being able to mesh these guys in seamlessly to Wake Forest culture. And Hunter Salas is proving himself to be one of the top scoring guards in the conference. You could argue even the country and just has such a deep bag on offense in addition to all the ways that he's able to influence the game on the defensive end that is going to make him, I think, potentially one of the best players in the conference this year. Totally agree, Ben. I, I would argue that this is, and Jake LaRavia and Alondis Williams are going to have something to say to, about this, but perhaps the best and certainly one of the best whispers, you could say, by, by Steve Forbes in the portal during his time at Wake Forest. Talking about another leader on the floor, another one of Steve Forbes's whispers is Andrew Carr. He has been phenomenal. Had a double-double against Delaware State. 15 points on a very efficient 6 of 7 shooting, 11 rebounds. You have to love what he's doing right now because you feel like he's a, a key cog in the offense and on defense too. You look at it, 21 points, 7 of 11 shooting, 9 rebounds against Presbyterian. So one rebound again, short of a double-double. It's just on both sides of the, the court, Ben, on offense and on defense. You're getting the points and you're getting the rebounding as well. Just an, another player for Wake Forest that is incredibly impactful. Yeah, absolutely. And I did I did sort of a deep dive on Twitter on, you know, Andrew Carr's improvement this year because you look out there and he passes the eye test. You see him playing more physical, you know, just both on offense and, you know, on the boards, just inserting himself into the situation, playing physical, and the stats back that up. He's improved in scoring. He's improved in rebounding. His rim protection is a lot better this year. We talk about it all the time. Andrew Carr is making the leap and he is playing incredibly efficiently right now, doing all that this team can ask of him. He's shooting the three, three ball with confidence. He's three of his last four from three. He takes them in small doses, but he can also make them. I think he led off the Presbyterian game with, you know, a nice deep three to sort of get things going for the Demon Deacons and to have him as a team captain and a returning player make that leap and sort of set the tone for the freshmen, the new guys on this team, I think is going to be incredibly valuable. And this team is much, much better with Andrew Carr out on the floor. He plays at an incredibly high clip. His plus minus has been off the charts all year this year. I talked about that on my, my Twitter thread, thread as well. But, you know, I think his ability to stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble, just be impacting the game the way that he has done all year, I think he's going to be critical to this team's success sort of moving forward. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Yeah, I'm fortunate enough this year to have an ACC vote, and I was really trying to decide I thought about having a Wake player in there for some time, and I settled on Andrew Carr being one of my preseason All-ACC selections, and I was really debating whether it was going to be Andrew Carr or Hunter Salas. And now it's, to me, looking like I should have maybe taken both of them. But the the fact that Andrew Carr is performing at this high of a level, it makes me feel a little bit better about that selection that could have maybe been construed as a bit of homerism. But Andrew Carr and Hunter Salas both right now earning their keep as potential ACC, all ACC level talents. Some guys who are also performing really well. You mentioned the two guards, Ben Boopy Miller, another really good scorer, ball distributor, facilitator of the offense, 17 points against Delaware state, five assists, 19 of six and six of nine against Presbyterian seven assists. And then you have Cameron Hildreth, 14 points against Delaware state, 11 against Presbyterian. I think, he's starting to take a little bit of a backseat to the offense just because of the, the level of scoring that you have just all across the board on the offense. He doesn't have to do too much. And so it's interesting. I I was reading one, you know, one of our good friends who covers Wake Forest, Connor O'Neill over at Deacons Illustrated referenced these four, the four that we've just talked about Hunter Salas, Boopy Miller, Cam Hildreth, Andrew Carr as the usual suspects. Those four have all reached double figures in scoring in each of the past seven games for Wake Forest. Each of them, double figures in the past seven games for Wake Forest. Those have been, It's been a critical stretch for Wake Forest where they not only knocked off Florida and then Rutgers and then made their way through the rest of the non-con with some serious confidence in terms of winning those games by a large measure. But to have all of those four perform at such a such a high level, it they truly are, Ben, the engine that makes the train that is Wake Forest go. Yeah, I think the most impressive part is just how well they can spread the wealth. It feels like there's enough possessions for everybody. It feels like everybody is doing their part. It doesn't seem like, you know, it seems like this is a team that enjoys watching the other guys succeed. They all want each other to do well and play well. I think a very unselfish team in that if a guy has the hot hand, they are happy to feed him. And so that that's resulted in some big games. And, you know, the, like I said, the, you know, the ability of these guys to all be consistently in double figures to consistently score very efficiently just makes them that much harder to prepare for because they understand their niche within the offense. They understand where their sweet spots are. They get to those spots very, very well, or at least they have over that, you know, that past seven game stretch like they were talking about. And yeah, they really are the engine. And I love using that term because this is a high powered, high octane Wake Forest offense that is sort of, you know, having some groundbreaking efficiency here. Like you said, being top 50 in the country in all of those categories that you named earlier is incredibly impressive, especially trending in the right direction as you move into conference play. And I think, yeah, adding Boopy Miller at the helm has been invaluable to this team. He has the right balance to me between being able to be a spark plug and take some shots and power the offense himself by scoring if necessary, and also find the other guys and distribute. And he has such a tight handle on the ball. 
and is able to sort of negate any full court pressure that another team wants to bring on. So all of these guys have their roles. And I think these roles, as they have played more games, have started to crystallize and become much clearer. And as that's happened, I think the team has gotten a lot better. You know, you mentioned Cam Hildreth maybe taking a little bit of a backseat in the offense, but I have no doubt there will be games in the future where Cam Hildreth will be called upon to score and use his physicality to get to the free throw line and the offense will run through him. So it's just, you know, everybody staying ready, everybody playing at a high level right now. It's really, really fun to watch. Boopy Miller kind of talked about that in one of his post-game press conferences, and I know how much he loved this quote, Ben. It was something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but everybody eats. Like, nobody goes hungry in the Wake Forest offense. So that statistic really emblematic of the fact that, that that's just not hyperbole. Everybody in that Wake Forest lineup really does eat. And it's not even just the starters. You're taking a look at the other guys. You can't not mention Efton Reed. So after his pretty phenomenal Wake Forest debut after not playing for such a long time against Rutgers, he goes the next few games against NJIT and Delaware State, not recording a single field goal in both of those games. And then his first career start at Wake Forest against Presbyterian goes five for nine from the field for 14 points. And Steve Forbes talked about really wanting to get him going, not only got him going in the offensive end by getting those high percentage post-ups, post-ups, getting him rolling in the paint, which was huge. It was something I talked about in the pregame that I think Wake Forest really needed to emphasize, and they did. But on the defensive end, again, just showing how much of an impact he is. Eight rebounds and five. Yes, you are hearing that right. Five blocks. So as an overall look at it, Ben, I mean, the go, getting going on offense is one thing. Wake Forest already with a phenomenal offense. But in terms of the defensive piece and his overall presence on the court, especially in the paint, going forward into ACC play, I think it's just vital for this team to have a guy like Efton. Yeah, and I love that word you use there, presence, because that's what I was going to say is he's just even when he's not necessarily scoring at a high level, he is a presence out there on defense and a wall down there in the paint and a presence at the five man that wake, you know, didn't necessarily have last year. Um, Five blocks in a, in a, in a single game is remarkably impressive. And that is something that teams are going to pay attention to that. You can't drive into the paint and expect to go up soft or your shot is going to get tossed. So, but, you know, transitioning to that, you know, his, him sort of finding a stride on offense. I thought that against Presbyterian, what he did better than he has all year was sort of use his body effectively and under control down low on offense. He was very patient. You know, there were a couple of times where he'd get the ball, you know, seven or eight feet away from the basket, was back to the hoop, pound the rock. You know, he's obviously a big physical player, was figuring out ways to use that physicality in a patient, under control way to get really good, high quality looks for himself. And that I think was, you know, he looked really good in his first game out there, hit a lull after that with some foul trouble and some, you know, struggling to get shots to fall and whatnot. Thought he looked really good against Presbyterian. And I think it comes at the right time as Wake Forest moves into conference play. You said a guy who who's finding the opportunities, finding the shots. Freshman Parker Fredrickson, just the three-point king, turning himself into an absolute threat, someone you have to prepare for. Four threes against Delaware State, also four steals, which I think was was huge to, to mention as well. And then two threes against Presbyterian. So it's not only just the statistics that he's hitting shots, Ben. We've talked about the plus minus before. That's really big as well. But you're seeing it in the minutes that he's playing as a freshman, 
for a, a Steve Forbes basketball team. He had 24 against Delaware State and then 20 minutes against Presbyterian. So this is a freshman who has become increasingly a fixture for this Wake Forest team, and the minutes are reflecting that. This is not just a you know, a guy who's coming off the bench who, hey, this is a this is a three-point threat. Let's get him going for four or five minutes. This is a in in a lot of ways a, a more complete package of a three-point threat that he's not only getting those shots, he's making the steals, he's turning out to be a pretty solid defender. And so he's earning the, those minutes. He's playing more than half the game. Yeah, and I've talked about it a lot. It takes a lot more than just talent to crack a Steve Forbes starting lineup as a freshman, especially with how much you know veteran college basketball experience this team has. Parker Fredrickson would not be out there unless he was earning those minutes. And I just I love the way that Parker Fredrickson plays. I think he has understood. I think his shot selection is very very good. He plays with his head up on offense, which I think is is very important. You know. He's really finding the confidence in his three-point shot, which is obviously encouraging to see. And then, and then he's a little he's a little pest on defense. He'll he sneak is, up yeah. behind you and, and take the ball away. Which, you know, this is a, a Wake Forest team that loves to play with active hands and force turnovers, and he sort of fits into that scheme really naturally. And you know, plays very very hard as well. I think you know that that much is clear out there. So yeah, it's been really fun to watch him play. My my second sort of Sunday stats thing, right at a deep dive, was in Parker Fredrickson, and he. He doesn't turn the ball over and he doesn't foul, which allows him to be a key piece off the bench. He's not making mistakes that cost the team, even if his shot necessarily isn't falling. He, you know, is able to find ways to contribute and has been able to do so right off the bat, which looks to me like Steve Forbes sort of found a diamond in the in the high school recruiting circuit. Absolutely. He is one of my favorite basketball players to watch. I think he is just phenomenal, especially as a freshman. Another guy who I think has grown on me a lot is Zach Keller. I think he's continuing to play well, proving to be a really good secondary piece at the five behind Efton Reed has certainly, as Steve Forbes said, taken the opportunities that were given to him with Matthew Marsh out. And he's kind of earned that secondary role at the five. So I think he's going to continue to be a factor for the Deeks. But you're now going into ACC play starting to see the guys who might not have as much of a presence. Marcus Marion did. He did play a, a solid 14 minutes against Delaware state. I think in stretches, he's been really, really good for Wake Forest. Again, as a freshman making an impact, he certainly did that for the Deeks in the non-con, but the minutes fell to six against Presbyterian. So I think you're going to start seeing that downgrade a little bit. He is a factor of course, I think as the, the second four, I would say, behind Andrew Carr. But with the way Andrew Carr is playing, you're not going to try and steal his minutes, one would say. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not saying that Marcus Marion isn't going to play anymore. I just think those minutes are going to be harder to come by. Matthew Marsh had four minutes against Delaware State and did not play against Presbyterian. I think some of that might have been a size thing with Presby being one of the smallest teams in the country. Most certainly, I, I don't think they had a starter that was above the height of six seven, so that doesn't really play into Matthew Marsh's game too much. And then Abrama Zonka and, and Aaron Clark have hardly played all season for Wake Forest. So the minutes, it, the squeeze is coming in terms of the minute. The minutes you're playing better opponents, so you're not not likely to have ten minutes at the end of the game to start tossing around. And then even more so you're going to have another mouth to feed when Damari Monsanto comes back 
one would hope at, at right near the beginning of, of ACC play, it's looking less and less like a possibility for Virginia Tech, but perhaps for Boston College on the 2nd of January or Miami at home on the 6th. That's a very, that's a potential possibility. So that's another mouth to feed. So Ben, I mean, you have the starters, you have guys who are, are, who are clearly a factor and, and will continue to be that way in, in Parker Fredrickson and Zach Keller. But when you start to look down the rest of the lineup, it's how the, the talent is obviously deep, but how deep do the minutes go? Who, who's still who's still up there? I mean, so that's going to be, I think, an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot before. Steve Forbes loves to take it game by game. You know, so I think that some of these guys will see the floor a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the matchup. You mentioned Matthew Marsh not seeing any time against Presbyterian, potentially a size thing. I think I think really you know with with how with how high powered the starting lineup is and the first couple guys off the bench are you know after that there aren't necessarily a ton of minutes to go around especially as you move into conference play I think you're seeing the rotation provided everyone stays healthy start to crystallize clarify and see that you know these are the guys that, that are going to get the bulk of the minutes and that happens with every team as you move towards conference play. With Wake, there were a lot of question marks surrounding Efton Reed and his eligibility. You had some injuries early in the year. Now, guys are healthy, playing at a high level. The rotation is starting to solidify. And that's not even to say, like you mentioned, that some of these guys haven't done really good things. Marcus Marion had a very nice take against Delaware State where he crossed over, had a nice little step through, and then went up for a dunk. And that was, I think, the bet, one of the best plays he's made all year. So all these guys are you know, still finding ways to contribute. There's just not enough minutes for everybody on this team. And that that is, you know, the reality of ACC basketball. And when you have, like I said, when you just when you have so many, you know, so much scoring and so much defense and everything in, in the in the top seven or eight guys, it's going to be it's going to be tough to find, you know, a, you know, substantial playing time for everyone else behind that. But that's not to say that they don't have good options. You know, if, if a situation should arise, Marcus Marion has showed his ability to step up and play an expanded role. So is Matthew Marsh, you know. So I, I'm not worried about the depth of this team. I think Steve Forbes has been talking about it all year. It's like it hasn't always shown, but this is a deep, deep team. And I think I think that is true. Lastly, in terms of the, the players, just briefly touching on this, want to give a, a shout out, of course, to walk on Vincent Ricuti, who knocked down a, a three against Delaware State. We shouted out Kevin Dunn earlier for getting his first career points. Vincent Ricuti now getting it with a pretty solid three point shot. And, and Steve Forbes says, said in the po- in the post game that apparently this is something that is is not new to the team he's he's a threat in practice uh, so shout out to him wake now has a holiday break before the game against virginia tech as i've said on december 30th i was told before i left for my own little holiday with the family that uh, the team will be back for practice the night of the 26th so they'll be getting ready for virginia tech at home to open the acc conference schedule for the Demon Deacons, we, of course, on the Boots on the Ground pod, will have a preview out after Christmas, getting ready for that Virginia Tech game. But until then, thank you so, so much for supporting us, both here at the on the Boots on the Ground pod and, and over at, at Blogger So Dear. It's been a phenomenal year over at BSD, almost a year now. And, and then these past few months with the Boots on the Ground pod have certainly been a thrill from both Ben and myself. We wish you... A, a very nice holiday season with our fam or with your families. And we cannot wait to be back with you 
for the Virginia Tech preview and getting ready for the rest of the season, one that Wake Forest certainly hopes to be a fruitful one in 2024. We will see you after Christmas.